Let me get a 10-piece hot, extra crispy, extra wet. Let me get a blue cheese. Matter of fact, two. I'm on celery and fries and a peach drink. And make sure my fries is hot because they was cold last time. to the Extra Crispy, Extra Wet Podcast, hosted by the Young Aunties. Welcome to the Extra Crispy, Extra Wet Podcast, everybody. It's Auntie Kirby. You never would have known that Auntie Kirby could host this show. We're grateful for all of our other aunties, but you know what? This week is going to be me on the mic, bringing a little bit of different flavor for y'all, maybe a little teriyaki, a little ranch. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, to be hosting this week. Uh, this is something that I've been wanting to do for a while. So Nancy niggas, let me try it out. Try it out. Um, of course, y'all already know it's uh, it's the South, as uh, Auntie Nick would say. We can't come in the room without indu- introducing ourselves. As I mentioned, I'm Auntie Kirby, a.k.a. Where's Kirby Ann, a.k.a. the Woodside Woodneff, and I'm checking in from the SWATs as usual. And we have an amazing, extra, extra special, extra crispy, extra wet guest for you all this week. Uh a, a, a uncle out here that is teaching the people, giving the people information that they need, and in particular black women information that they need. I'm going to let him introduce himself. Go ahead and tell him who you are. Hey, I'm so excited to be here. This is Uncle Don Gatewood. Uncle Don Gatewood, I'm coming live in effect. I am from the Washington, D.C. area. However, okay, I am from DMV. Detroit. The DMV. However, I am from Detroit, Michigan, born and raised. And I'm super excited to be here today because we're going to be talking about uh, negotiations, salary negotiations. In fact, but a little bit about me, I am for the past 20 plus years, I have been in the nonprofit space, nonprofit leadership. Only 9% oh, wow. of plastic is recycled. So that, so that has been so that has been my area for the past 20 years. And I have a, a niche area, which is workforce development. I am passionate about people getting the jobs and the the positions that they dream and that, that they desire and so absolutely. there's a absolutely there's a lot that goes into it though we got to make sure that you prepared got to make sure you know what they expect and you got to make sure you deliver on the interview side but then on the other side you got to be able to negotiate the salary but then when you're in the position you got to have those leadership skills necessary to achieve those goals so that's my wheelhouse the workforce and leadership training is my wheelhouse and what i'm excited to be about so so this is going to be me. good. This is going to be so good. I'm so excited to talk more to you about negotiation and how to carry yourself in certain areas professionally. So this is going to be a really great episode. Absolutely. Well, y'all know how we do. Uh, we also got to get our wing orders in. So, of course, we always let our guests step up to the to the window first. Uncle Don, what you eating tonight? Hey, well, let me tell y'all something about what I'm eating. My order tonight is I'm going to get me some wings. I definitely want them fried, crispy, and hard. Okay, that's number one. But okay. number two, I need my mumbo sauce, okay? Oh. Mumbo sauce. What do people see, know about mumbo sauce? Let me explain something to you, see. If the AT aliens, y'all may not know quite about the mumbo sauce, but here in Washington, D.C., it's one of those just a standard. The mumbo sauce is a sauce that is a mixture of the, the ketchup, and then you have the sweet and sour sauce. And it's just an amazing mixture, the barbecue sauce. And it's all mixed together to make this amazing, uh, unstoppable flavor that we use on our wings and everything else that's fried. So I'm going to have Ooh. my order 
extra fried with some mumbo sauce. Okay. Duly noted. Uh, Auntie Kirby going to have to hop on a flight real quick. Find out what this mumbo sauce is talking about. I've heard Wale speak about it before. Uh, he was mm -hmm. actually on a show um, called Hot Ones, and he talked about how the wings in the DMV are ordered. Okay, it might yeah. be time for the uh, for the aunties to get on some airplanes and figure some things out. I'm excited. I love that. I love that. <laughs> One time well, for mumbo sauce. <laughs> listen, we still down here in the A, so I'm gonna give it to them real ATL. I'm gonna go ahead and keep it quick and simple. I'm gonna get a 15 piece extra crispy. Lemon pepper wet. Now, lemon pepper wet, most of us know that's lemon pepper either sprinkled on hot wings or hot wings with the lemon pepper in the butter already. It's already tossed. Of course, like I said, I want them extra crispy. I definitely want a side of celery. I'm going to do a grape and peach drink mix. I know it sounds crazy, and it definitely sounds like a cup full of something you shouldn't drink. But get you a small kid-side cup. It's very tart. It's very sweet at the same time. It's a lovely sensation. And, of course, y'all know I got to get my Chunky Blue Cheese from uh, from JR Crickets, specifically the one on North uh, Avenue. With that said, uh, really quick, we're going to transition into what many of the aunties find to be one of their favorite parts of the show, Auntie of the Day. Uh, I thought it was appropriate, since we're going to be talking about salary and negotiation and making sure that you get your worth. I want to talk about Miss Melody Hobson. Uh, she's an American businesswoman, uh, a black American businesswoman to be specific, and she's the president and co-CEO of Aerial, Inve Aerial Investments, which is out of Chicago. Um, and Aerial Investments is also a, uh, a black run um, finance uh, company and investment company that actually holds 13 billion in assets. Um, she started there after doing an internship there while she was a student at Princeton University. Uh, where she got her degree, and actually is also the partner and wife of George Lucas. And if y'all don't know who George Lucas is, just check out, you know, this thing called Star Wars. It's, it's you know, kind of a big deal. Uh, some other accomplishments by her, she served on the board of a number of organizations like J.P. Morgan and Chase and the Chicago Public Education Fund, the Lucas Museum of Narrative Art, uh, as well as the Starbucks Corporation, and formerly on the board for the Estee Lauder companies. If y'all know what Estee Lauder is, ask your grandma. Um, <laughs> this is a really, really exciting auntie for me. Uh, she was my first introduction to seeing a, a, a black woman in a space of leadership in the finance industry. And that inspired me. I've done a lot of research on industrial banking because of her. Um, so again, uh, we're grateful for you, Auntie Melody Hobson. Keep doing your thing. Uh, she's had a number of shows. She teaches all things finance. Y'all should check her out again. That is Auntie Melody Hobson. Uh, the co-CEO uh, of Aerial Investments and well, as well as the president. So that is our auntie of the day. Okay. Shout out to her. Wow. Yes, love her. She's got uh, she's got a lot going on. She also dresses really well. She's super stylish. I love her. Um, <laughs> now, to the meat and potatoes of this show, like I told y'all, we got a special episode today. Y'all heard Don introduce him, Uncle Don uh, introduce himself and tell him about tell us about himself. So we're going to have a conversation. This is actually one of our first times trying a conversational format. And so we thank you all for coming along with the ride. With that said, Uncle Don, uh, take us into one of the first things you want us to learn about salary negotiation. Here's the thing. Salary negotiations are one of the most important aspects of working period. Most of us, we think about our dream job. We think about a title that we want. We mm -hmm. think about a company that we want to work for, and that's all good. But you want to make sure that you're getting paid for what you are worth. 
And the truth is, most of us are working in jobs and being paid less really than what we deserve. Some of people working right next to us in the queue right over with the exact same job description are making a whole lot more in some cases or getting a whole lot more benefits. And there's mm. a lot of reasons why stuff like this happens. Obviously, you and I are no stranger to some of the systemic issues in our country uh, yeah. that have affected certain groups of marginalized people. And as a result, they don't get hired or they don't get paid what they're deserved. That's very true. But another reason why people sometimes don't get paid equitably is because they are not negotiating their salaries. They're not negotiating their benefits. And in yeah. fact, here's the thing, though, Kirby, in, in America, women are being paid literally if you take the man and the woman, exact same education, experience, mm -hmm. skills is still making 75 cent as compared to a dollar for a man. And wow, that is definitely still an issue. And then when you break that down by race and sometimes uh, right. additional gender, it gets even more It gets uh, even diluted. worse for Black women, exactly. Yeah. And so for me, when I, I spend so much of my time talking about leadership and professional development in my space, in my podcast, in the work that I do, but here's the thing, you do all of that amazing work for the company, but if you're not being compensated correctly, then that's just not, that's not where it's at at all. And so that's why negotiations is so important when we talk about developing as leaders and we talking about being the professionals that we dream of. And it's just not talked about a lot. People want to get an MBA. They want to get this right. degree, that degree, but we are not talking about that negotiation piece the way that we need to. And that's why I'm here today. Absolutely. You, you know, I think something interesting, uh, we talked about it a little bit in pre-production and I would love for you to expand on this. Right. Where does the negotiation process start? A lot of people don't know where to start with that. What are some of the things that you got to learn and get a, get your eyes on um, as you're starting to learn how to negotiate? Right. As far as I'm concerned, the negotiation starts the moment that you apply for the position. So what that means okay. is when you apply for the position, what do you do? You complete an application, you submit your resume. Your resume should demonstrate the skills and the impact that you've made in every single position that you have held. What I see all too often is that when people have their resumes created, they may look pretty, have the right format, the, right format, the beautiful colors and the fonts and all that look good. But when you look at those job descriptions, people are oftentimes talking about what they do versus the impact that they've had in their mm -hmm. position. That's and key. When, exactly. And when I say impact, what I mean is what influence have you had on your company in your position since you've been hired? Have you helped the department achieve sales of 25%? Have you hired um, and grown your team? And have you passed performance metrics so you all have exceeded your sales goals? Mm -hmm. Have you reduced the amount of loss that your company have experienced by 25, 30%? If so, why is that not in your resume? Why aren't those specific things that you have done in your position, those huge percentages that you've impacted your organization's bottom line why aren't those articulated instead what we have is people just saying what they do i do this i do that that is not impact and so if you are not demonstrating the impact what it means to have you on their team when you have me on my team 
this is what you can expect. If you aren't selling it right then, you are already at a disadvantage because your resume is just talking about what you've done versus the impact that you've had while you've been in the position. That's number one. That is a huge key. And thank you for breaking that down for us. I can say in my own corporate career and professional career and also dealing in startups, something that was exactly what you just said is something that was pivotal, pivotal in me being able to move forward in my career, being able to quantify and qualify what I was able to do for a particular team and or at least what I am capable of doing for a team by backing it up either with, like you said, those quantitative percentages uh, did something increase or de decrease for the greater good of a team or an organization while you were there? Were you able to build infrastructure for an organization while you Absolutely. were there? Processes, um, all those different kinds of things. And, and that includes some of the things that are part of your job description, which you should always keep those. Of Another course. key for y'all, keep all your job descriptions for every job that you ever have. It will be helpful in maintaining what I like to call the master resume. Um, but yeah. I, I fully I fully agree, and I'm so glad that you broke that down for the people. Um, first of all, the negotiation starts as soon as you apply for the job, and exactly. then also you're negotiating through your resume based off of what you can show off and, to your point, what you can sell about yourself. Um, right. And since you brought that up, can you talk a little bit more about how to sell yourself? I, I imagine that that is kind of intricate in, uh, or a big piece to the negotiation process. How do you sell yourself throughout the application process and interview process? Right. So the, the very first thing in terms of selling yourself, people are looking for credibility. So when you talk about selling yourself, they don't know you. They've never seen you before. Now, of course, we have information age. They can go to LinkedIn and they can figure out who you are. Yeah, sure. But you are, for all intents and purposes, just a name on a sheet of paper. That's all you mm -hmm. are. So everything that you write down it holds so much weight because they don't know you. They don't have the experience of you. So that's why everything you say um, on your resume, it, it, it matters and it should reflect accuracy and it should reflect impact. However, it doesn't just stop there. I just mentioned social media. Social media is a huge, huge component to mm. people getting positions and not getting positions. So when you talk about selling yourself, we got to think about before you ever even hear from them. Oftentimes they're going to social media, to your Facebook, to your Instagram, to your LinkedIn, mm -hmm. and they're assessing not only your professional life, but also how you get down in your social life. What type of posts are you posting? What types of things are you saying? What kind of comments are you putting on the internet? And those Ooh. are some of the things that they're looking for as they determine the value of, of what you can bring or if you're valuable at all according to what they're looking for. So those are some of the things that we have to do on the front end to look at, you know, how we're not only positioning ourselves on the resume, but also how are we position ourselves on social media? Again, according to statistics, over 70% of all employers, it's close to 80% at this point, are looking at social media to assess you and to determine your value if you're even worth the phone call to begin with before we even get to negotiating a salary so that's something that you should know absolutely absolutely right. i myself uh i've been on the internet way too long so i've gotten to the point where there are certain social media i just don't even participate in because exactly. it, it just creates unnecessary anxiety but i would definitely say that linkedin has been a journey uh anybody that's been on linkedin for any amount of time knows the evolution that has happened there uh, right. LinkedIn went from being basically just an online resume to being a full on professional networking platform and now a learning Absolutely. platform as well. 
Um, so um, I tell people all the time, you know, there are lots of different strategies you can use in LinkedIn uh, from your search strategies for looking for jobs to strategies on how to uh, update your LinkedIn updated properly and create a situation where instead of when you need a job you're going to look for one there's always some um, in your inbox um there's all kinds of different tips and tricks that you can utilize on linkedin uh right. to, to help to you know increase your visibility and thus potentially uh create a better opportunity or platform for you to uh, or a catalyst for you to be able to negotiate your salary um, exactly i want you to tell us more about how you move through you teach people to move through the negotiation process. We've talked about where it starts. We've talked about some of the key components you want to do with your documentation and the selling of yourself. What's right. one of the next steps that you think is most important for people to take and in particular black women to take in this process? Absolutely. So it's funny that you mentioned LinkedIn because the next step you want to take is understanding the salary range for the position that you are getting ready to apply for or that mm -hmm. you've already applied for you need to understand what is the range one way to find out the range for that position is through google you mentioned linkedin linkedin has excellent tools to figure out the range salary.com mm -hmm. indeed Payscale. these are all uh tools at your disposal where you can find out listen i just applied for this executive position or this nursing position in the state of georgia or I've applied for it in the state of, you know, you know, Detroit or New mm -hmm. York. It's important to know the salary for the position that you're hiring for, but more importantly, for the area that you live in. Because remember, the salary for Detroit is going to be different than New York. And so right. if you're assessing a job and you're using the Detroit mentality for a New York job, you may jam yourself up because what you think is a good salary for Detroit is not at all a good salary for New York because the cost of living is double. Exactly, exactly. That is uh, another uh, strategy, like as I've gone over my career as well, that I had to implement, you know. And it's also uh, to the point of the conversation, talking about negotiation, it helps you to create leverage for yourself. You can eventually evolve to a point where you can take a look at the skills and the impact that you've had at other organizations and then look at the pay scale um, of a job based on its location and determine right. where you fall on that pay scale so that you know when whatever that initial offer comes, you know how far you need to push them. And right. speaking of that, um, you also um, have spoken in the past about uh, the different things to negotiate. Exactamundo. Um, Exactamundo. And that's where we that. were going. E exactly. So after we have learned exactly, you know, where the salary range is, what the job that we're going for, what is even the, the normal or the standard salary. Now we know what the base it off of. We have a standard. We know we're not just pulling something out the sky, but we actually know what the, 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 the range is. But what we need to do at this point is determine what is the minimum amount that we're willing to take for this position? And what is the ideal amount that we need to take? We need to know mm -hmm. this is the minimum that I would take. And this is the ideal amount that I would take. But we need to also think about our benefits as well, because your package is not just the money that you are going to make salary or hourly. It's also right. benefits. And when I talk about benefits, I'm talking about 
medical insurance. I'm talking about childcare. I'm talking about right. working from home remote. I'm talking about time off vacation. And the list goes on and on. Even cars. Some jobs offer cars where you they provide you with the car. So it's important for you to understand these benefit options, because when we talk about negotiating for a position, we're not just talking about negotiating salary, but we're also talking about negotiating positions. Because in some situations, if your company offers child care or if they offer you an opportunity to work remotely two or three days a week and in the office one or two, that may offer you the flexibility that you need to live the life that you want to lead. So again, negotiations are not just about the salary, but also about the benefits. And you can negotiate time off, vacations, medical insurance costs. Some people don't even pay for medical insurance yeah, because they've negotiated true. it in their contract. Absolutely. Um, I know I've had my own personal experiences where um, I wasn't just necessarily negotiating for, uh, like you mentioned, just the salary. Um, I've negotiated with organizations asking for, like you mentioned, uh, additional time off uh, to pay 100% of my insurance premiums uh, to allow me to have an additional uh, work from home day. Um, and this was during the transition into the work from home process a couple of years prior to the pandemic when people were starting to be more consistent about offering that as a benefit um, of their particular job. Or like if you don't have children, maybe the child care, you ask them to drop the child care and pay for something else. Absolutely. Um, there's all different types of ways that you can you can shape it. And something else that I always often tell people um, as I'm trying to help folks, because I occasionally help people to update their resumes, I said, sit down and make a job profile. What kind of job do you want? What does that look like? And how, how flexible are you in all of those areas? Does it need to be in a particular salary range, regardless of what industry you work in? What type of titles are you looking for? Does it need to be remote, flexible, or in office? Do you need the ability to, I don't know, take off in the middle of the afternoon? All the different things that would make your job perfect and how far you'll flex in either direction for that particular Absolutely. job that helps your search that helps you narrow your search down as well and it also helps you to create alerts and notifications on a lot of these different job posts so like i said instead of if you are looking for a job you don't have to go look for one they're already in your inbox even when you're already at a job uh or, get, or transitioning um i love that so uncle don we talked about uh how to get prepared for negotiation, the beginning of the process, uh, the different things that you can negotiate, uh, things mm -hmm. that you can do as far as your documentation, how to market right. yourself, how to sell. Tell me some more about what you think is important for the people to know about the negotiation process beyond that. Right. Well, one thing that is important to know is some things that can actually hurt your negotiations. Okay. Um, I'm here for that. Yes. <laughs> Tell us not what not to do. <laughs> one of the things that can hurt your negotiations is you sharing with your potential new employer the amount of money that you made in previous positions oh wow that's major oftentimes I don't know that oftentimes they will ask you what did you make in your past job what did you make in the job before that it, the only reason why they're asking that question is because they're trying to figure out if they can use that amount as leverage. So let's say you made $60,000 in your previous job. And let's mm -hmm. say they're willing to pay you 100000 120 for this new job. 
they may say, well, we're willing to pay that amount, but he only made 60 of his last job. So if we just offer him 85, that'll be a raise from his last job, but it also will be less than what we are actually willing to pay. So we can win. Ooh. That's the type of thinking that employers are oftentimes utilizing. And you as a person who's looking for a new position, that information is not something that you have to share. What you made in your previous job has absolutely nothing to do with your current position that or the future position that you're hoping to get so you should not feel that you have to share what you have made in previous positions period tell me what in 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 situations where you've been put in this circumstance tell me how you reacted how did you respond to the the interviewer or the hr person or the recruiter that had reached out to you right so here here is where it now here is where you know every individual has to consider the circumstance that they are in okay? okay because when we all are you know looking for jobs our circumstances are different some of us desperately need to work others of us we are pretty stable and we're looking to grow so you do need to assess where you are because everything that i'm saying today it may not apply for every person at every particular phase of life that they're in so i do want to say that but i will say this if a person asks you what your previous salary was know this that they're trying to use that potentially to pay you less than what you may be worth so you can let them know that the truth that that information you're not comfortable uh sharing that that information and that is and that is what you can share there's many different ways that you can share it um obviously when you have an application some of them may ask that you write it down and you can choose not to put that information in there you can it may have spots that you have to fill in you could put zeros in there versus putting the number there now it is true that they may come and ask you we noticed that you didn't put this information into the box and then at that point they're of course looking for you to answer why maybe they're thinking maybe you made a mistake or they Want to know why and you can share with them that that wasn't information that you were able to share at this time you can let them know it's not information that i'm able to share at this time now a company that you want to work for is going to respect it and move on a company okay. that is requiring you to put that in there I would argue that that isn't the company that you want to work for. That's what I would argue. But again, like I Come said before, analysis. <laughs> like, like I said before, I do recognize and I'm sensitive to the circumstances that a listener may be in. And you may be in the position where you really need to get a job right now because you have bills to pay, you have miles to feed. And in those circumstances, you may not feel that you're in a position to negotiate on this level. And if that's your individual case, I respect it, I honor it, and I understand it. However, for a person who may be in a position where they're more stable and are really looking to maximize their potential, their earning potential, then you don't want to share that information, especially if it could be harmful uh, for your negotiation that's going to ultimately come if they hire, if they, you know, offer the position to you. That's right. That's right. I definitely agree. Um, but also just encouragement to anyone that's listening. Don't be fearful of negotiation. It can be scary at first, especially if you you're not used to asking. And I know just as a black woman and a lot of other black women that I know, um, even some of us that do negotiate, sometimes we don't ask for enough. Right. And that is, a, you know, in, in a lot of ways, that's ingrained in us in a certain ways. Take what's given to you, et cetera. But I would encourage everyone, if you have the space and the opportunity to negotiate or if you even need um 
you need to take a little time, just at least learn the process. Um, right. So that's why I'm great. I'm glad that you're, you're walking us through this. Um, right. Now, now, and I do want to say this, you know, we all want to make sure that we're getting paid for what we are worth, but that's, it's important for us to assess where we are in our professional journey. For example, okay. you may be fresh okay. out of high school, fresh out of college, or you may have just two or five years experience, or you may have 10 years experience and you've had amazing um, outcomes and impact on your position. All of those things matter when we talk about negotiating. So what I'm trying to say is for a person who may be entering into a job market and they're, or they're relatively new, that should be considered in your negotiation. You shouldn't expect that you're going to be able to negotiate top dollar when you've only been in the industry for a year or two. So we, we have to be <laughs> we have to be really mindful for where we are because some of us are still don't have certain experiences. We're still looking to learn in a particular area. There may mm -hmm. be an educational component that we do not have. There may be some experience that we're looking to get. And those are some of the reasons that may make you, as you're assessing what you're going to be, what you want as your base salary, then you may not be in a position to, you know, you know, maybe they have a, a range, let's say between 60 and 85. And so because you're, you know, you qualify for the position, but you're still not as experienced. So instead of, you know, wanting the 85, which is the top amount that they're going to pay for that position, you know, you may be somewhere in the middle. So if they're starting with 60, it may be more appropriate for you to go for that 68 or 70. Because again, you're not a senior, um, you know, a, a senior, a senior uh, person with a senior experience. But again, it's, it's one of those things where it's all about being realistic because the goal is to mm -hmm. get the maximum amount but you don't want to be perceived as being unreasonable and shoot yourself in the foot so there is a song and dance here that we have to we have to dance in a certain yeah. way so that we don't be ridiculous absolutely absolutely right. how do you feel as far as salary negotiations negotiating is concerned how do you feel about people or have you heard of someone negotiating based off of how much work and impact they want to have at a, at a potential new organization that they would maybe join in. So choosing uh, their salary negotiation style to say, okay, I'm not going to go too much higher because I don't want to do that much work. Right. And it's, that's understandable why a person would think in those terms, because we all have a perception of the amount of work that we want to do. But the truth is you don't have a crystal ball. And you really are not going to understand the workload truly until you're in that position, because some okay. companies may have a title for you, but you may find that they have you doing two or three other departments jobs, or you may find that you have a title, but you all are well staffed. And so that the amount of work you thought you were going to do, you actually have more staff and assistance that make your job easier. Sometimes mm. it's difficult to know exactly because two people can have the same job title, but within different organizations, depending on their resources, their size and the number of contracts they have can determine how much work that you have to do versus how much work that you don't have to do. So it's really difficult to know. Now, in some cases, you may have inside track. That's why LinkedIn is so important, because you can meet people who are in the industry who may have experience within the exact same company 
companies that you want to work for and right. you can chat with them and they can give you some insight that could be helpful toward you negotiating. So that's why LinkedIn is super important because you can make connections and learn information that you otherwise would not be able to make by reading a simple uh, job description because those nuances and those details just wouldn't be there. So that's something that, that you definitely want to definitely consider. LinkedIn can be your friend. Um, you can meet a lot of amazing people who are willing to help you and to share information with you uh, that can be super, super helpful. Absolutely. Um, I remember, I won't say the company's name, but I did reach out to someone. I said, you know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to say, okay, I know that there's an open position at this company. I want to reach out to some people who have a similar position at the organization. Um and I will admit, I did look for people that looked <laughs> looked like me. Um, <laughs> uh, so reached out to a young lady, uh, was able to set up a phone call. She was willing to be very transparent with me about her experience at the company, things to look out for, um, and even you know things to consider as far as how the interview process goes at the organization. Uh, told me about her workload. Um, but she also, to, uh, to a point you were making earlier, she also let me know she was straight out of college, so she understood that the salary she was getting was not necessarily consonant to the work she was doing because she, you know, didn't have as much experience and there was not uh, much on her resume that was actually going to push her towards a higher salary. But after she reviewed my resume, she let me know that most likely I probably would be earning what someone who was mid-career, uh, mid to senior career at that organization. Now, I did not end up accepting a position there because I realized through the interview that the the job was definitely not for me. Um, it was, uh, I will say that it was a, a sales software uh, company, specifically a SaaS company. Uh, anybody that's in the tech industry will know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, uh, but it, it is really important to utilize your resources. And LinkedIn is definitely a place where you can meet people and network. And especially if there's a job that you're trying to get a particular organization, if you can, you know, use your, you know, use your common sense, reach out to people. It's nothing wrong. The worst that you can get is somebody telling you no, right? Right. And most of the, most of the folks there, they're really excited to help. I've, you know, found people on LinkedIn and sent messages and many of them are super excited to help because there's a general understanding and goodwill with what the platform is about. And people oftentimes are very willing to, to be um, helpful toward answering your questions in any way. But now I kind of want to uh, switch it just a little bit uh, sure. uh, Kirby, and talk about now, you know, we've gone over a lot of the, the pre things. Um, and I hope what people are starting to recognize in this conversation that we're having is that a lot of the negotiations, it is preparation and planning. Absolutely. And everything that we've talked about right now about researching, understanding, uh, understanding your resume. These are all things that you do in advance so that they inform the success that you can have when it's actually time to negotiate and that's what i want to talk about right now so literally you get you've interviewed mm -hmm. uh, they have interviewed other candidates they've determined that you are the one for the position and so they give you a call and they say hello hello may i please speak to auntie kirby this is she oh uh, my this... god did y'all really call me How yes you we Yes, we called you. We have interviewed tons of people and we have decided that you are the person who's the best fit, the most qualified for the position of Auntie Kirby. Today, we would like to offer you the position for the senior executive vice president here for this amazing organization. 
oh my gosh, I am just flabbergasted. <laughs> Absolutely. And that's how you want to respond. When you get that job offer and they let you know that you've been selected, you want them to know that you're eager and you are excited that they've selected you for the position. After that point, what they would normally do is start giving you some details about the position. They will likely tell you the salary and they may even tell you some of the benefits. But after you get this information, you want to, again, let them know that you're super excited about the position and you will love an opportunity to look over the offer because you never want to accept an offer that you have not seen in writing. And so go ahead real quick here, y'all. That's another one of those psychological games that gets played in the professional world. If you accept an offer immediately, that is a signal that hmm, this person may not necessarily either know about negotiation or this is a person that we will be able to instruct to do whatever we ask them to do. And we may talk Absolutely. about that a little bit later, but go ahead. Absolutely. Uncle Absolutely. And so you want to let them know you're excited, but once you get a chance to look at the offer in writing, um, you will be able to better understand, you know, not only the salary, but the benefits as well. Because as you remember, we talked about the benefits is a part of your negotiation. How are you going to, you know, negotiate benefits if you don't even know what they are and they right. probably didn't go over every single benefit in the offer conversation so that's why that letter is going to be helpful because it's not only going to tell you the salary but it's going to outline your benefits so it gives you the information and education you need so you can successfully negotiate now it's possible though they may say that um you know we you know we typically um you know we don't you know, we don't uh, send you over the offer, you know, right away. This is something that we give to you when, you know, you come into the office the first day and we have you sign it. And you can let them know that, you know, you understand that th their expectations for you to sign it, but you're just asking for a copy of it. And then when you go the first day, if you do take the position, you'll sign it then. But no matter what, you want to let them know that you are eager to get a copy written copy of the offer that is very necessary now Absolutely. once you get that offer in by email they'll send it to you by email you want to look over it look at the salary look at the benefits and you have to just flat out determine if it meets your your expectations if it meets them great that's wonderful uh, you technically at that point you could sign it and turn it in if you wanted to technically but I, of course, I would always suggest that you look at opportunities for negotiate. I believe there's always room for negotiations. In fact, most employers, when they offer you a salary, they expect that you are going to negotiate. And in some exactly. cases, they don't even offer you the a maximum amount they're willing to pay because they're believing that you are going to negotiate. So mm -hmm. like you mentioned earlier, Auntie Kirby, being afraid is not going to get you the money that you deserve and that they really may want to give you. They are expecting that you are going to enter into the negotiations. Absolutely. So, right. So, so that, so that's an important thing to know. So, um, but if you decide that you want for your salary to be bigger or you want your benefits to be better than what they've offered, you need to think about what you want that to be. What do you want your salary to be? And you need to write that down. Um, and when you are thinking about your salary, you need to think about the fact that, you know, your reasons for wanting this money, it shouldn't just be because you want more money. Or it shouldn't just be because, you know, the, 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 the living is, you know, 
is higher in whatever area. Those may be good personal reasons for you why you want more money, but that's mm -hmm. not something that you would ever want to share with the employer. If you're wanting to make a case why you deserve a, a higher compensation, it needs to be based off of your ability to perform and what you can do for the company. So talking about because you need more money to take care of your kids and all of this, those are not effective <laughs> strategies at all. Please don't tell them that. Oh, goodness. Uh, yes, y'all, please don't do that. <laughs> Please don't do that. Um, your your request should be solely based on the impact that you can have on the company. So here's so here's a few options that you have at this point. You've decided okay. that you want to negotiate your salary, but you need to think about, you know, what are a few things that you're willing to accept? You may say, this is the salary that I want. But what if they don't accept that? What if they counter and offer something lower? Then you need to have a plan B. So, well, they're not going to give me, I wanted 120, but they're they only want to offer me 110. So that's 20,000 less than what I initially, what I really wanted. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing, but you, you may be willing to accept that, but you may say, you know what, since I'm not going to get the salary that I 100% want, then maybe I will ask for additional vacation days, some additional time off, some additional work for home. So that's when you start looking at how you can negotiate your benefits because there may be a scenario where they can't offer you more because they don't have the budget or maybe they can offer you more, but just not quite what you want. But maybe if they can increase some of those benefits, it may sweeten the deal. After all, if you're a parent and if you, know, you have kids and so much of your money goes toward childcare anyway, but if they're willing to say not only cover 50% of it, now they're willing to cover 80%. Heck, the money that you were going to make was going to go partially to childcare anyway. But now that exactly. they're willing to give you even more, it could come out to being worth more money because you are now, you have bigger benefits. So that's something that you definitely want to take into, into consideration. Um, and so, definitely. right. So you want to prepare for a few different options that, that you have. Um, you know, what's the best case scenario? If they can't meet that best case, what would be a secondary scenario that you would be interested in and be prepared to uh, speak on that speak on that behalf? And then once you, you know, get a chance to uh, call them back, you know, to let them know where you stand with the offer is one thing I want you to do before you actually make that call. Now you've thought about what you want. You thought about okay. how much money you want to make. Great. But before you call them back, I want you to have your selling points in order because again, you are getting ready to let them know that you are going to counter their offer. But after you counter their offer, you need to let them know the reasons why. So whatever your strengths are, whatever you're planning to bring to the organization, how you plan on having impact to their bottom line, you need to have that organized in terms of your talking points. Have that written out, have that practice, have that understood, because now it's time for you to call them back. And when you call them back, you dial that number, you wait till the manager answers the phone, you say, hello, this is uh, Auntie Kirby. Um, I'm calling you back regarding the, the position. They're going to say, hey, Auntie Kirby, how you doing? We were looking forward to hearing from you uh, today. And you you let them know that, you know, I had a chance to review the offer and think even more about the company. Now, I'm even more excited today than ever uh, to join your company. And with the salary of whatever you want it to be, I mm -hmm. will look forward to starting with your company right now. 
So you let them know that you're interested in joining their company and you let them know with the salary of, let's say that 110 that you want, you are eager to start right now. So you've made the case, you've countered, you let them know what your, what your salary is that you want. And then immediately you want to let them know that my salary proposal is reflective of what I will bring to your organization. And then at this point, you list out the strengths that you plan on bringing to the organization. You remind them of the experience that you have and what you plan on doing because you just countered it. You let them know what you want to make. And now you're reminding them of what you're going to bring. And once you have made that case, then you you go silent. You let them talk. You know, I love that so much. There are so many different um, salary negotiation strategies, but that one is super succinct. It is very human. It is very direct. And it is also an opportunity, again, to sell yourself, to market yourself, to market your skills. And the stronger you get at marketing your skills and selling yourself, the better you'll get at salary negotiation as well. So I love the fact that, that you were able to tie those things in together. And that also helps you to learn your resume much better as well. Absolutely. Um, which, again, you all, is a very super important uh, thing to uh, to do and be able to speak to your skill sets and again the impact you've had in the organization and I'll say right. from my experience in the past negotiating all of my negotiation opportunities none of them have actually been over the phone they've always been in writing because typically with the organizations that I've applied to um, if I let's say I breach the last interview and they say we're going to be sending you an offer or I just get something and uh, get something via email they've always given me some sort of offer letter uh, attached to the email after the phone call or during the phone call and I always Absolutely. let them know like you mentioned um some organizations will put in their offer letter you actually have a, a certain amount of time to respond to their offer letter most people if they're respectful of your time will give you a week but some will only give you 48 hours and you can even negotiate that sometimes and say, hey, I need at least 72 hours to review this offer. Um, please let me know if that is OK and then forward the updated offer letter uh, mm -hmm. so that I can review it, et cetera, or I would like to retain a copy. And if you do it in writing, the same thing that Uncle Don was saying, you know, I'm so excited to uh, accept this position at the following uh, salary for these reasons. Um, and this is how I can impact the organization and close it out with a, a good salutation. And you've got yourself an amazing, uh, you know, negotiating or beginning of the negotiating process. So I love that right. so much, the way right. that you broke that down. Right. And I want to say this. You do have to be comfortable with silence because yes. after you state what your proposal is and after you, you know, support it with what you're bringing, then you be quiet and you allow them a chance to respond. They may need a few seconds. They may take two or three seconds before they respond. And it's important to be okay with silence because the, one of the mistakes that people make is they hear that silence and they just continue to keep on talking to fill the air. And that is a mistake. After you have made your case, you go silent and you give them the time they need to process. And then they will usually respond um, immediately, you know, with we accept it or they will respond and say, hey, you know, we accept the salary offer but we um, cannot give you this benefit. We can give you this amount. Or they may say, you know, one, we understand that what you're worth 110, but we're able to offer you 105. And then you can say, okay. And, you know, but I'm looking at the time off. And then at that point, because you've already decided that if you don't get the exact amount, other things that you'll negotiate. But again, after you make your uh, proposal, then you go quiet and you let them respond. And mm -hmm. silence is okay. It absolutely is. And, you know, anybody listening, if you are uncomfortable with that kind of silence, always keep this in mind in your job uh, search and your job uh, research strategy. You should always be applying 
at least in my opinion, I'm going to give a specific range to five to 10 jobs at a time so that you are creating a pipeline for yourself. That also can build confidence in negotiation because if you're not just sitting for interviews for just one job and you're depending on that one opportunity, that gives you your own personal internal leverage to say, okay, maybe this one doesn't work out, but I know that I got two emails the other day uh, for interview opportunities and I can continue that momentum and be able to carry that, you know, that same level of, uh, that same level of excitedness for promoting myself for marketing myself for selling my resume and selling my skills. So always keep that in mind in your job search process. And also it helps leverage uh, your confidence essentially um, in the negotiation process to make sure that you have multiple opportunities in your pipeline. Um, Now I'm not going to say try to get too many. And the reason why I say five to 10 jobs is you assume that probably 20 to 50% of jobs are going to respond back to um, your resume. And there's a whole other conversation to be had about how to set up your resume so that it gets through applicant tracking systems that recruiting uh, departments and companies use to sift out resumes that they don't even want to look at. There are some like pulling keywords out of job descriptions, et cetera. Again, another conversation that is a little bit deeper on resume preparation. Um, but Uncle Don, I wanted to talk a little bit more about after that sometimes awkward silence that you go through mm-hmm. when you're doing that um, initial negotiation, what are some of the things that maybe someone wants to be thinking about while they're waiting on um, on a response or if they receive the response that they want or don't want? How do you feel about uh, being in that space of the negotiation process? Right. So, again, silence is a good thing because, remember, this person is you're negotiating on the behalf of yourself and they're negotiating on the behalf of the company. So right. as they are, you know, processing what you're saying, they're probably typing it or writing it out, or maybe they're in a room with an assistant. And so they sometimes have to assess what they're hearing. So it's it's normal for there to be a silence and, it, and it's comfortable. And it's important to allow them the time that they need to respond. Now, again, it usually isn't that long, but whatever it is, however many seconds that, that it is, um, it is, uh, it's normal, it's healthy, and it's something that you should expect. Um, and so I think that the only thing you should be thinking about is anticipating their response. You've done a great job of letting them know what you want uh, in terms of benefits. You've explained why it is uh, in the best interest of the company to give you that. And now you're waiting to hear what they have to say. Um, best case scenario is they're going to offer uh, or accept it. Uh, the worst case scenario is they're going to offer something less and you would just you you're already prepared for the possibility of them offering something less you've already determined uh what some other opportunities you may have to negotiate and so just feel comfortable in that you're prepared your notes are written out and just be planned just be planned and ready to uh, go to plan B should that be necessary. And it's already written out. You already have your notes. And so you just have to execute. Awesome. So it's about having that confidence in yourself and your skill sets, et cetera. I love that. I really, really do. Um, what are some, uh, last things that you want to, or any other concepts you want to hit on or ideas or key points you want to hit on about, uh, negotiation, um, as it relates to your salary and making sure that you get your worth out here. Right. Well, one of the most important things that I want to say is your attitude and your um, your investment, your personality, how you come off, how people receive you. Those are supremely important. Oftentimes we focus on, you know, your resume and your experience 
And all of those things, they do matter because they demonstrate your ability to do the job and they communicate your ability to do the job. But at the end of the day, employers are looking for, will you fit in our culture? Will your personality be a good fit? And so it's important for us to not be fake because you have to be real because that's just whack to, to be fake. But at the same <laughs> time, you want to make sure that you are optimistic, that you are upbeat and that you're, you're positive because oftentimes when people like you, when they like your attitude, your perspective, how you handle yourself, they're a little bit more willing uh, to look at what they can do to, to see that you become a member of their team. Just remember that your personality, your attitude, it still is one of your biggest assets. So make sure that it, that it's in place and make sure that it's reflective of, of who you are, especially if you're a hard worker, professional, excitable, that needs to come out through this whole process and how you're interviewing, how you're responding to emails, it needs to shine through. They already know you're qualified. If you weren't, you wouldn't even be here. But exactly. now we need to make sure that that attitude is in line with what they likely see as a good fit for their culture. And I think that can really seal the deal, especially if things are tight. So they say, I really like her. I really like him. Let's find that extra $5,000. Absolutely. And then that touches on another key point in the job search process. Interview skills. We are never too old to keep those fresh and keep them sharp. Um, like Uncle Don was saying, you know, you don't have to be fake or anything like that. You don't necessarily have to code switch all the time. Although if you do, that's not necessarily a problem either. A whole other conversation for another day. It is. Um, but just make sure. Um, <laughs> listen, because I can, I can talk. I can definitely talk about that. But you know, at the end of the day, like like Uncle Don was saying, invest in knowing yourself because the better, the more that you know yourself, know your skill sets, and know what you have to offer, and also remember that there are lots of opportunities out there, y'all. No matter what industry um, or what title that you have, you just have to be willing to look for it. That's what my grandparents just always tell me: you got to look. Uh, um, but yes, definitely invest in, in, in learning how to express your personality. Um, I know a lot of people that I've had an opportunity to try to work with and help to get, uh, job opportunities. That's one of the places that they struggle. Resume is amazing. Uh, they have all the skill sets. They work for all these amazing companies. They've had all this great impact, but sometimes they lock up in interviews because they, you know, are scared of public speaking or feel like, you know, they might feel intimidated by the interviewers. And I tell people all the time, uh, always keep and be present, keep it in mind and be present in the fact that something you mentioned a, a few minutes ago, Uncle Don, uh, that you are also interviewing this company. Because you got to figure out whether or not this is the place you want to be at before you even get to the negotiation process in the first place. You know, do I like the way that these people treated me throughout the process? Matter of fact, I'll share a quick story. I um, also have a real estate license and I was looking for a broker to hang my license with. And I managed to make it all the way to the training process. Uh, they they gave this red, rolled out a little bit of a red carpet, but there were some red flags things that happen during the onboarding process. And I might do an episode and talk more at length about what to red flags to look for when you're interviewing with a company. Um, even if they are offering you a really great salary, you may not necessarily, it may not be worth it because you nope. might end up stressing yourself out, but made it all the way to the training process. And there were three red flags. The first one was um, I had an initial offer that was confirmed. And then a particular benefit in that offer right before I was about to sign the offer letter was rolled back. And so I gave them feedback. I said, you know, I understand 
you know, things change, programs change. But if you pro if you offer in a, a benefit initially as an organization, you need to be able to stand on it. If you don't know for a fact that you can stand on it, don't offer it. The second red flag that I saw uh, was that there was really poor communication between HR and my management around my onboarding process. Lots of weird email strings. I said, okay, you know, I'm, I'm just going to see what happens. The third one was, as I started to go through training, my manager was canceling meetings. Now that might sound uh, like it's, but what's, what it communicated to me as a, that moment, or at least a trainee at that moment, was that you don't respect my time. And if you don't respect it at the beginning of the process, and you also don't honor your promises at the beginning of the process, there will be other times throughout my time at this organization where I may run into that. So again, right. there's a whole other uh, conversation about, you know, finding opportunities, but definitely things to, you know, to potentially look for as you're going through the process. Cause sometimes you may not even make it to negotiations because you realize this is not an organization you want to work for. So exactly. that was, um, that was really exciting. Is there anything else that you want to share with us? Um, any other uh, points that you want to hit with us this evening? Absolutely. Well, I just want to definitely encourage people. We are in a, a moment of opportunity. I know there's a yeah. lot of conversation out there about, you know, this isn't going my way or these folks, you know, they're not doing what I want them to do in my um, in my place of employment. I want something different. I want something better. And I just want you to know that there, this is a moment of opportunity and you can definitely have what you want. You can have exactly what you need. But there is just a little bit of work that has to go on in the front end to make those needs and wants a reality. And so this conversation is about just some of those things that we can do on our front end. And I think that we just need to always look at how we can invest in ourselves, because the more yeah. we're investing in ourselves, not only just our education, but our attitude, you know, how we work together, how we communicate, how we collaborate, when we invest in ourselves and those tools that we need, invest in our, our resumes, invest in our, our skill set then we put ourselves in a better position to get what we want. Uh, there's a conversation always about, I want more or someone is getting more than me, but I believe firmly if we constantly stay focused on our own individual growth and development, and as long as we're pursuing it in time, you will get exactly what you want and what you deserve, but you got to keep pushing. It doesn't always come easy, but with perseverance, it absolutely will occur. And I believe that with all my heart. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That is that just really warms my heart to hear that, you know, we we're definitely in a time period in history, like you said, where there's a lot of opportunity. And I feel like some of us are missing out because, like you said, we get caught up in the, well, I want this. I want that. Well, there's something that you definitely can do about it. We all have that power within us. And it's about having a mindset of just growth in general. How do I move forward? There's all kinds of resources, whether it's the internet, whether it's your friends, you got people you used to work with. You have all the resources in front of you to make a shift in your life and to make things happen in the way in which you want them to. And I can even say in my own life, um, especially in these last couple of years, the pandemic has made it uh, very easy to reflect <laughs> on oneself and, and things that you need to improve, or at least I know that's that's been my experience. Mm -hmm. And um, this has been one of the areas that I've definitely invested in in my life, continuing to hone my interview skills, continuing to make sure that I'm sharp in my resume, continuing to build the skills within the particular industry that I work in. I work in the tech industry specifically, um, as right. well as real estate, and continuing to do trainings and learns and in classes and finding people who are within my business by going to conventions um, and networking opportunities. So there's so much out there. And, and, I, and one last thing before we move on, it is an employee's market, y'all. It is an employee's market right now. 
and you need to take advantage of it. I, you know, I'm not the most uh, learned person as it relates to economics and inflation and, you know, geopolitical, all that stuff that goes on. But I do know mm -hmm. that it's an employee's market right now. It is. There's a lot of opportunities out a there. A lot. Yeah, like, it's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. And even more because we are moving even more into a remote world of opportunities that maybe weren't even accessible because we were less right. remote. Now they are. And so the opportunity is there. I know sometimes you get conflicting messages out there. This is hard. We lost our job. But the opportunity is there. We just got to go for it. You absolutely have to go for it. And y'all, collective mindsets, collective mindsets, get in groups. I have friends. Uh, people that we will sit and do whatever it is, whether we're reviewing business plans for folks or a marketing plan, helping somebody with content, um, helping somebody with their resume, doing mock interviews with each other. This, you know, salary negotiation, interestingly enough, is directly correlated to community building. Uh, it's a big piece of how we keep each other accountable saying like, you know, you told me you had these goals, you know, you want to get this type of home for your family or you, you know, you want to pay off your student loans or you want to start a business. Well, you may be able to do that off of part of your salary if you made sure that you got that extra 20000 that extra 5000 uh a year uh, so that you know you've got some disposable income. And so those are mm -hmm. things to think about. Um, how salary negotiation is directly connected to a certain degree to um, our uh, what is the what is the phrase uh, the way that we live our lives um, and 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 the contentment and the joy that we have in our lives and our ability to do activities that we enjoy outside of our regular work. Um, so it's a big deal, y'all. Well, Uncle Don, thank you for walking you. through that with us. I really really appreciate that. I hope you all, whether you took notes. Um, in your mind or in your iPhones. I hope that you all took some really, really good notes. Um, of course, obviously, you can listen to the episode over and over again just to go back over those things. But there's lots of resources out there. Literally, we have computers in our hands, y'all. All yes, you got to do. do is literally just say how to negotiate a salary and all kinds of resources will come up in front of you. Now, I admonish you all as a nerd myself, don't go to everything on the first page of the Google uh, results. Go to the second page sometimes. There's just as many good resources there and sometimes ones that will provide you with additional detail versus the ones on the front page. But that's a little SEO for the nerds out there in the audience. Absolutely. Um, with that said, we're going to jump into a couple of pieces of Atlanta news. And of course, Uncle Don, if you have any commentary on any of this stuff, you are welcome to do so. I know I didn't prep you with these, but I'll tell you a little bit about the stories. So things are going on in Atlanta. These kids are going to be wanting to negotiate because apparently Fulton County Schools is telling these babies that they cannot bring their phones anymore. Um, it says students in Fulton County must put their phones away starting next school year. Um, it says that students will be required to put their phones away starting their school year um, in Fulton County, um, uh, according to a newly released code of conduct rules for the 2022-2023 school year. Um, elementary school students uh, will be pro prohibited from using any form of quote-unquote personal communication device during school hours. Um, of course, cell phones are, you know, an obvious target under the new rule, and the district is also looping in devices such as tablets and Apple Watches, Apple Watches into its definition. Um, in addition to that, students that are in the sixth to the twelfth grade won't be allowed to use them during class time, but if they are instructed, um, but can if they are instructed to by a teacher. Um, there was actually a post on the district's website by uh, this is uh, Superintendent Dr. Christopher Matthews, and he's noted as explaining that all these devices are highly distracting to students, and that quote accessing, engaging, and contributing to the instructional uh, process is vitally important to student success. Um, prior to that, they actually um, 
had a situation where having a phone out in class was considered only a quote minor act of my, uh, misconduct um, and an action only punishable by like five days in uh, school suspension. Uh, but at this point, they are strengthening the punishments up to five days out of school suspension. Uh, so, and prior to that, like I said, it was in school suspension. So, I think this is going to be interesting for parents. Um, there are some parents that are very adamant about their children having access to their cellular devices during class. So I'm gonna, it's going to be very interesting to see how they react um, to this rule being put in place. Um, you never know what someone's home situation is. On the flip side, I'm friend to many educators. I'm the granddaughter of an educator uh, who, before she transitioned, talked a lot about the distractions that go on in the classroom. I even know now that the kids have a lot more to learn, a lot more to retain for all this test taking. So they already got a lot of pressure on them. They just wanted to see if they can get on YouTube real quick. But apparently right. Fulton County is uh, not with it. Don, Uncle Don, where you are, or at least in your in your life, in your experience, have you found that distractions in the classroom, things like cell phones, et cetera, have interrupted the learning experience? And how do you feel? I don't know if you're a parent or if you've had an opportunity to, to act as a parent. Um, how right. do you feel this could be you know, affecting the, ch the kids or their parents for that matter? Absolutely. I definitely think that the cell phones are a huge, huge distraction in the learning space. I actually have a, a mentoring program that I work with young men in Baltimore. It's called Initiative Baltimore. It's a mentoring program. Okay. And we work with young boys who are middle school and high school. And of course, our, you know, our sessions are a little bit less formal than, you know, school, but Gosh, the cell phones are such a distraction and TikTok has become more popular than ever. And so oh, we really find ourselves in certain scenarios having to take the phones away and then give them back or, you know, all these you know moments where we have it to, you know, remind them to be present and not, you know, away with uh, whatever is happening on their phone. So I, while phones are important, people have family lives and responsibilities when they're in the classroom we really need our kids to be focused because they are looking to get into college get the sat scores pass the classes learn the math and it can be difficult if you're distracted on tiktok or answering texts that have nothing to do with your education listen you know i remember being in middle school that was when cell phones had kind of just become popular people still had two ways folks were constantly getting in trouble I happen to be one of those kids. I, I come out of the Mon a Montessori program, one of those kids that liked school. So I never really pulled my cell phone out. Now, I might have got caught with a Tamagotchi or something like that, but that's just because it was hungry. I need to feed it. Uh, but, you know, I, I definitely understand. It can definitely be super distracting. I just, like I said, I know a lot of educators, and I imagine that there's probably going to be tension that comes up because there's going to probably be a circumstance that happens where a kid needed to access their cell phone, but because of these new rules, uh, they weren't able to, and that might cause some tension with the parents. So I'm interested to see how that turns out. Uh, moving on, something else that's going on in Georgia. Um, you know, we just got through talking about negotiating your salary and particularly being a woman and a black woman in this country. Well, Georgia has just made it uh, to a short list of one of the worst states for working moms. Um, of course, you know, the pandemic has been very, very difficult for working mothers. And I imagine super difficult for black working mothers. Um, and as they're re-entering the workforce, there are some places where it's harder to balance work and life. Uh, and family life in Georgia is one of them. It's actually one of the 10 worst states in the country for working moms. Um, and I imagine, I can only imagine, like, of course, child care is really, really expensive. Another reason why you shouldn't negotiate your salary. Um, and on top of that, if you're a single working mother, then, you know, you don't have a dual income necessarily in your home. And so you're spending up 
you know, most of us spend at least a third, sometimes depending upon what city you live in, 50% of your income just on your living expenses. That's before you're paying for your kids' daycare or field trips or any other things like that. And so to be in a state where it is not necessarily the greatest to be a working mom, again, I encourage you ladies to start learning to negotiate your salaries, start learning what your value is, start putting that effort in, like Uncle Don was uh, talking about earlier. Um, Georgia, we got to get it together. This is not okay. We make a lot of money down here. We managed to move an election in Biden's direction. I know that we've got it in us. We've definitely got to make sure that we're setting up programs and opportunities for working mothers to do what they need to do. But working mothers, you also got to do the work for yourself. So put that effort in, start building out your resume, building out your sales pitch for yourself, your elevator pitch, and learning how to negotiate your salary so that you can take advantage of a lot of these opportunities that the pandemic, strangely enough, has has brought to us if you need to switch industries don't be afraid um if you need to like i said learn how to do salary negotiation don't be fearful have the courage to invest in yourself so that you can make better uh choices financially economically for yourself and for your family because here's another thing i am not a proponent in particular for black women overworking themselves we've been doing it too long uh so any way that you can make your life easier, decreasing your monthly recurring expenses or increasing your income so that your monthly expenses end up becoming technically smaller. There's an opportunity there. So working moms of Georgia, you know, I hope that, you know, I send out a prayer for you and I hope that we continue to build opportunities for you, but definitely start building opportunities for yourselves or it may be time to leave Georgia. I know I've been thinking about it. Uh oh. I'm just saying, you know, it's uh, also it's, it's allergy season right now, which every time, you know, allergy season comes around in Georgia, we end up having ready a problem. To go. Yeah. It's like it's just it's it's terrible. Um, speaking of single moms out here getting it, Mariah Carey uh -oh. just decided that she was going to buy a house here in Atlanta. Um, she purchased a what is this? A five point six five million dollar house, oh. a mansion here in Atlanta. Um that is crazy. Uh, I've never seen $5.65 million. Uh, $65 I hope I do one day. Uh, but she has decided that she's going to come on down to the South and sing us Christmas all summer long. Oh. Um, the transaction actually showed up um, in November 2021. Um, and the Atlanta Journal-Constitution confirmed through Fulton County property records that a real estate company named the Mirage Real Estate Trust purchased the mansion located in sandy springs okay go off mariah auntie mimi right. um the real estate company's name is notably similar to that of mirage entertainment a talent agency of which mariah carey is the ceo and she has a california mailing address with carey's agency now let me say this y'all the internet age they will find all of your information and i don't know about y'all i'm a huge fan of auntie mimi i wish she a couple more shell companies between it so people wouldn't be at her store doorstep probably trying to see if they can get her to sing all i want for you is christmas <laughs> exactly. but shout out to her for being shout a, boss, a yeah. boss lady um i don't know if you're a fan uncle don are you a fan of mariah carey i'm a huge fan of mariah carey my sister jatine she is like a mariah carey connoisseur so whether i liked it or not earlier on i was forced to know about her and so now i have become a huge fan i love her Absolutely. Love her. Love her. Well, go ahead, Auntie Mariah. We appreciate you showing us young ladies how to spend that money. I do appreciate it. Uh, I think the last thing here on the list uh, that I have for Atlanta is uh, there is a guaranteed income program uh, that has been started in Georgia. And uh, 11 Alive reported on how to apply to that program. The, initi uh, the initiative 
called In Her Hands is accepting applications to get more than 650 Black women, $850 a month uh, over the next two years. That's a lot of money, y'all. Um, it is a new guaranteed income program. Um, it's a partnership between the Georgia Resilience and Opportunity Fund or the Grow Fund and Give Directly in tackling uh, or in trying to tackle the issue of income inequality. Um, in the state through a $13 million privately funded income guarantee program. As of Monday, as I mentioned, the initiative in her hands began accepting applications to give more than 650 black women $850 a month over the next two years. Now, I don't know about y'all. Some of us, $850 a month is not a lot of money, but for a bunch of us, $850 a, a month would take care of rent and some groceries. Now, I don't know what part of Atlanta you might actually live in because most people in the city are paying two grand for one bedroom, but don't tell them I told you. Um, <laughs> but I think this is interesting here. It says the program is different from Atlanta's Guaranteed Income Program, which is publicly funded. The In Her Hands raised funds through a local and federal, uh, through local and federal funds in addition to private donors and sponsors, quote, Georgia has some of the starkest economic insecurity and instability in the country, especially for black and brown women. The Grow Fund is setting out to test big ideas to tackle this challenge, but the work is grounded in people first, not theory. Uh, this was a quote from Atlanta council member and co-chair of the old fourth ward economic security task force, Amir Faroqui, uh, in a recent release. Um, the first project site will focus on Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s childhood neighborhood, Atlanta's old fourth ward, as he was a proud advocate for guaranteed income and income equality uh, throughout his career. This site will be the focus of the first round of the program in which 220 people will be selected to receive benefits. Eligibility. Hope y'all are listening. Women 18 years and older, inclusive of transgender women and non-binary individuals, which is really good. Number two, must have been impacted by COVID-19 and impacted. That's a broad statement, but that means you could have had it. Someone else near you could have had it. You could have lost your job because of it. Anything that where COVID-19 impacted your life, which for all these purposes, no matter whether you had it or not, it impacted all of us. Right. Number three. Live within the community site map, which is Old Fourth Ward. And those of you all that are not familiar with Atlanta, if you look at uh, Atlanta map, there's this big highway called 285. If you look in the bottom right uh, quarter, the Old Fourth Ward is in that area close to downtown. And fourth, uh, last but not least, less than or equal to two times the federal poverty line. So the statement says, uh, said eligible applicants will be selected through a lottery pool. Half of the recipients will receive $850 a month for 24 months. The other half will receive a first lump sum payment of $4,300, followed by 23 months of $700 payments. And for the Old Fourth Ward neighborhood alone, the program will select 220 people to receive the benefits, and another 440 will be selected over two rounds later this summer. Y'all take advantage of this. And I, I, if you know someone who could be positively impacted by this program, I really suggest that you recommend it to them. Again, this is by an initial call, initiative called In Her Hands. It is a lottery-style program. So as long as you meet those qualifications and that eligibility, um, definitely try to move forward with it. And the people that do get accepted, if you get a chance to hear this podcast, hear me and hear me clearly. Use that money wisely. Make sure that you're paying your bills, but also pay yourself. Take that as an opportunity to invest in yourself, whether you make a stash account, an acorn account, or whether you just put it in a basic savings account. Save some of that money if you can. If you can't, again, invest in yourself. Um, with that said, we're going to move into uh, the bottom of the show. Uh, I want to let you all know for the month of May, we are reading our book of the month, A Lover's Truce by Kelly M. Parham. It is 
a book of poetry. Um, he is a person that I had a chance to attend college with and being a really great poetry troupe with. Uh, he's a great writer. So I hope you all visit all platforms where you can get books, Audible, uh, Barnes and Nobles, Amazon.com, and cop get a copy of A Lover's Truce uh, by Kellen M. Parham. So excited to have him as the book of the month and looking forward to continuing to read through some of that poetry. I know everybody's not into the novels and nonfiction that we sometimes use as our book of the month. So now we're doing a book of poetry. This is our first book of poetry. So again, get you all's copies of A Lover's Truce uh, by Kellen M. Parham. Now to a very fun for the show. This is the time where you got your food. It wasn't right. It wasn't him like it was supposed to. Something was cold, something was missing, something wasn't right, and you got to return it. We also call them let goes. Uncle Don, what you letting go of this week? Okay, I'm letting go of a couple of things this week, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> Number one, I got a quote. He who hath not a uterus should shut the up. Okay, Philopian 1313. 13. I'm tired, y'all. I'm tired. <laughs> Yes, please tell the people why you do. <laughs> <laughs> Women know, are in control of their bodies, and any conversation that says anything differently, that suggests anything differently, is utter nonsense. Shut up. Listen, I'm I'm so here for that. That tickled me so bad. But seriously, y'all, Uncle Dom makes a very good point. And as I was looking at some of the things going on, if y'all don't know what he's referencing, there's a possibility that Roe v. Wade may be overturned. And I wasn't going to talk at length. Of, I'm not going to talk at length on that yet because I'm trying to see what's happening, trying to figure out who leaked the documents and a bunch of other things that's going on. Uh, but that particular piece of legislation allowed women to essentially get abortions. Now, of course, you know, the individual laws among states, I don't know all the details of that, but that is in question and in danger at this particular point. Y'all know we're at a strange part of uh, time in history, some twisted stuff going on. Um, but what he mentioned about women having agency and autonomy over their bodies is really, really important. And something else that I would like everyone to be thoughtful about, you know, some people don't don't care about what's happening, but understand this. It's not about religion. If you don't want to have an abortion, don't have one. It is about the right to control your medical care and your own body and your own agency and your own freedom. And the thing about it is that if, if Roe v. Wade gets overturned, we already have seen things go on in Texas and Alabama as it relates to very antiquated, negative, dangerous laws around abortion. Um, that affect women's health, which is also not something that this country is really great at taking care of. Um, if they start being able to tell women what to do with their bodies, they'll be telling everybody else. So whether you have a uterus or not, whatever you, whatever you identify as, however you identify, we all will be affected by the different precedents that are set when we are allowing the, our elected officials to take us back to the dark ages. You know, there are so many different things that could happen around the medical field and anything else, again, our agency and our freedom and our autonomy. So while it may not necessarily be an issue that affects the entire population immediately, it all ends up trickling down. So I'm, I'm totally here for that. Let go. <laughs> Definitely here for that. Let go. Um, I don't have a particular let go uh, this week. So we're going to go ahead and move to the to go box. Sometimes, like Auntie Nick says, you got something left. You got to wrap it up in some aluminum foil, take it to go with you, get an extra to go plate, something to take to chew on for the next week, something to do, something to act on. Um, Uncle Don, do you have anything to put in the to go box for this week? Absolutely. Here it is. If you've made your point, stop talking. Ah, if you it. have made your point, 
stop talking. That's what I want. Oh my goodness. I love that, y'all. And I'll translate that even more. Just be concise. You ain't got to talk forever. It'll, and don't get me wrong. I'm definitely a person that talks in paragraphs. Y'all know that already. But sometimes, you know what? You done chewed off the meat off the bone. Put the bone down. It'll be all right. <laughs> Absolutely. The been made. Keep it moving. Okay. You know, Uncle Don, it has been a pleasure having you on tonight. I'm so glad that you joined us. You always have an invitation to come back. You have such Thank amazing so uh, information to share. Your commentary is amazing. Um, tell the people where they can find you. Give us all your social media, websites, wherever we need to locate you. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So first of all, I have a podcast called the Leadership and Professional Development Podcast with Don Gatewood. So I deal with all things leadership, all things professional development. Absolutely. But you can also find me on www.dongatewood.com. So that's D-O-N-G-A-T-E-W-O-O-D.com. And then, of course, I'm on all social media um, at Don Gatewood one on um, Instagram and Don Brian Gatewood on Facebook. And, of course, I'm on uh, what do you call it? LinkedIn as well. So you can catch me everywhere. Don Gatewood, you should be able to find me. Absolutely. And of course, y'all know we post all of our guests information uh, on their episode posts on our social media, which leads me to let you all know, go ahead. If you don't already follow Extra Crispy Extra Wet at Extra Crispy Extra Wet on Instagram. If you got questions, comments, concerns, or even emotional outbursts, you can email us hello at extra crispy extra wet.com. And of course, join us every Wednesday during our active seasons for extra wet Wednesdays hosted by one of your favorite aunties, Auntie Nick. She's always getting into the topics. They're nice and juicy. You got to get that toothpick in there when you get done, a little bit stuck in your teeth. Again, Uncle Don, we appreciate you joining us. Um, representing for the awesome. D and the DMV. That's right. The D, Detroit. What up, though? And DMV. Okay. <laughs> we are going to make sure we get us a mumbo sauce before the year is over. Thank you so much for joining exactly. us. And as we say every episode, y'all, we ain't going to say goodbye. We're just going to say, all right, then, shouty. <laughs>